Hello, podcast land. Thunder Underground is back, and we have another episode of Greatness. I'm Jason. And I'm Trent. And uh, this week, we have a great interview with Soil. We are... uh, we are actually doing our own version of Heavy Metal Parking Lot right now. We just interviewed Soil. We're in Joplin, getting ready to go in for the big Soil show tonight. So here we go. We figured, uh, you know, let's just do the intro and let's uh, bring it to you guys right now. Yeah, we talked to Tim King and Ryan McCombs from Soil, as you said. But before we get into all that, we wanted to play a track for you from a band called Omachita. And this is a thrash metal band out of Los Angeles. Yes. And do you want to talk about them now or when we come back? Uh, let's get into the song. Let's okay. play in the song and we'll talk a little bit about them. Okay. Well, this is, like I said, Omachita, and it is called Disobey. Once again, that was called Disobey by Omachita out of Los Angeles. 
thrash metal, new thrash metal at its at its finest, I would say. I think so. Yes. Uh, we there is a review of their whole album, uh, Certain Death, yes. on our website. Uh, check it out. TheThunderUnderground.com. Um, yes. Uh, you know, I, these guys harken back to the, you know, the old school thrashy, you know, you want to fucking get your skateboard out, you know, Anthrax, Overkill, Exodus. This is just, uh, just, just raw, raw thrash. And, uh, there's nothing better than that, you know, when you break it down. Uh, it's just got attitude joy to have on the podcast and uh we hope to see big things from these guys yeah it features uh former members of white wizard and devil you know yes which if you're not familiar with either of those bands do check them out i know white wizard isn't around anymore but they're they've got great stuff you know we were fans of these guys yes for a long time and devil you know of course is the new band featuring howard jones from formerly of kill switch engage and that's another great band but that's not what we're talking about no we're talking about thrash metal, and like you said, this is, I mean, it harkens back to it, and it's, you know, because a lot of times, I'm always leery about new thrash bands, that yeah. might sound weird, yeah. but I've always been leery about listening to a new thrash band, because it's like, a lot of times, it doesn't come off right, and it just sounds like someone's trying too hard, but these guys sound like they know what they're doing, you know, they sound like they were fans of the genre when they were growing up, and they're putting this, they're putting this out there, and it sounds great. That's right, you know, you, you... You bring up a great point about uh, a lot of bands sound like they're trying too hard. And you see that a lot because, you know, retro is in, retro anything is in, retro thrash or, you know, retro fucking TV shows or whatever is in. And a lot of times you're right. It comes off over the top or trying too hard, but not here. These guys do it right. Uh, they do it well. And, um, you know, it's just speedy old school with you know uh, new school vibe and uh it's just it works uh you know i've got a tall boy bush right here and i raise it up to him because this is a great song it's pronounced omachita but it is spelled o-m-i-c-i-d-a yes so look these guys up on facebook and on twitter and give them a like and a follow and check out their album certain death it's it's an EP, I think. It's only got seven tracks, but it's it's all seven tracks are great. And there's a video for the track we just played on YouTube, yes, which is good as well. That's right. All killer, no filler. You guys are gonna love this. Check it out. Yeah. And speaking of all killer, no filler, you wanted to speak about the new Saxon album, right? Yes. Uh, new Saxon album is out. Uh, it's called Battering Ram. I am a huge Saxon fan. I will, and I will also be the first to admit, I am a late bloomer on Saxon. I really didn't get into him uh, until maybe the mid 2000s. You know, I just knew that they were a band that had been around. You know, uh, <clears throat> they were never. They were always kind of like, you know, in the same conversation as the Iron Maidens and the Judas Priests and the Motorheads. But they never really, you know, I, I think they're way bigger overseas than in the U.S., which probably was uh, a reason I never really got around to them uh, until I, you know, got older and got a lot of the, you know, the the bullshit of my 20s out of the way, you know, as I like to say. 
and uh you know it's just classic just classic uh anthem metal that you know really it really hits to uh hits to your your core and they now nowadays they are to me the same level as Iron Maiden or Jewish Priest I probably listen to them more and this uh, new album is just it's insane uh you know you've got Battering Ram the single or the you know the lead track uh there's a song called Kingdom of the Cross, which is just epic as epic gets. Uh, it just it sets a tone. And it's just one of those songs. It could be in video games and movies. And I just, you know, I just see, you know, this band could should be so much more accepted over here. And, uh, you know, it's just, um, it, it's almost criminal. There's a great song called Three Sheets to the Wind. It's fun. It's a drinking song. Um, you know, these guys never, never disappoint with their meat and potatoes metal. Uh, you know what you're going to get, and, and it's just going to be fist pumping. It's it's going to take you back to 1981, uh, but it's it's not gonna it's not going to be, uh, you know, contrived or, uh, you know, it's not going to be too thought out it's just what they do and it comes off perfect yeah and these guys have put out they've consistently put out new albums over the last decade and they've all been high quality yeah i mean the production is stellar and the songs it just gets better and better and a lot of bands get worse and worse as they you know as the years roll by right and the and you know these guys don't um Biff Byford's voice is just, you know, as amazing as it was in, you know, 1980. It's insane. Yeah, and we've seen him, we've seen him live twice now over the past. Yes. What eight years, seven years, and they've, and his voice sounds excellent live. The band sounds as top of the line as you're going to see a heavy metal band sound. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's a, you know, and that's a good thing that you mentioned is we saw them in a little tiny club. With Fozzie in Oklahoma City, maybe a hundred people there. They could easily go to Europe and headline a festival with forty thousand people, uh, you know. But they they came to the states, and uh, it didn't matter how many people were there. They put on an amazing show. They they spared no expense, and they didn't they didn't half-ass it one bit. It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I need to. I've listened to part of the album the other day, but I haven't finished it. I need to get on this. Yes, you do. Like I said, all the the recent stuff has all been excellent. No, you know, all killer, no filler, like you said. That's right. And I wanted to mention on a kind of different note, I've been listening a lot to the new Backyard Baby CD. Nice. CD, the album, whatever you want to call it these days. And that's another band that kind of goes under a lot of people's radars in America. And they've never really. Oh, they've, for sure. They've never well a lot because they've never really had any real success here. Yeah. Know? Now but, we did we see them with Social Distortion. Yeah, they opened. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and what around two thousand six or something? Yes. Maybe? Yeah. Yeah, you're you are definitely more the authority uh, than I am <laughs> for sure. We well, yeah, had really got into them pretty heavy not long before that in the past year or two before that. Mm-hmm. You know, early early to mid two thousands and. Got all. I think at that point they had three, 
three albums maybe. And, uh, you know, I got them all and just wore it out listening to it constantly and fell in love with it and then got the chance to see them when they opened for Social Distortion. And that's really the only chance I've ever had because they haven't come anywhere near yeah. close yeah. since then. And this this new album, 4x4, is actually the first new album since, I think, 2007. Really? Or no, four, yeah, 4x4. Four four. And, uh, I mean, it's full of, I mean, it's... It's full of great songs, you know, 13 or nothing. The song Piracy, you know, is like this huge kind of melodic anthem, you know. And they, these guys are kind of a, you know, they're like, they're a Swedish band. It's kind of that, you know, Swedish sleaze that Michael Monroe, you know, perfected. Yes. And these guys kind of follow in that footsteps, but they still have more of a punk. It's kind of somewhere between, you know, Rancid and Michael Monroe and a little tinge of that social distortion sound and, Maybe even like some glam, faster pussycat kind of sound, yeah. all mixed together, yeah, and just kind of makes this sleazy, good time rock and roll. I say check this out if you're into anything I just mentioned, you know, because you would love this. You can't, yeah. you, you can't go wrong with uh, Michael Monroe, Rancid, Social Distortion. Right. That's that's a uh, three prongs of greatness right there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well. And what's that album called again? Four by four. Okay, okay. People need to check that out. Yes. Do we have any other new stuff we wanted to mention before? I don't know. We, we did have a little bit of uh, music news. Oh, that's right. You know, uh, which is, again, kind of going a different direction, but that's what we like to do here. Well, you know, we'll touch on this this kind of rock, that kind of metal, you know, so... Yeah, if this uh, is your first time listening, we cover everything. Yeah, from, we don't... Uh, from we don't death. discriminate. From melodic death metal to glam metal. That's it doesn't right. matter. Why not? Fuck right. it. Well, yeah. So you're listening to this. It would have been several days ago, maybe a week ago at this point, that mm-hmm. Vince Sevenfold announced that their new drummer, which that's kind of became a theme, who their new drummer is right yeah. now, since, yeah. since the Rev died, is Brooks Wackerman. Yeah. Definitely. Who, you know, to your average fan, that's just... Sounds like a dude with a, a weird name, you know, or a great name for a drummer, right? Yeah. Wackerman. But, you know, from yeah. us being music geeks since we were kids, we've known this guy since we were like, what, 15? Yeah, we know it all too well. And, and you know... Or f- uh, 16, maybe? Uh, of course, Avenged Sevenfold is a very polarizing band. There's people that are going to listen to this and turn it off, <laughs> and there's people that are going to listen to this and love Avenged Sevenfold. Don't turn it off, because Ryan McCombs is funny. And yes, King, yeah, you're going to love what's yeah. coming, but... And Tim King has a lot of great info. Go and, I, you know, I'm I'm in the middle, you know? I, I, I don't really... I can't really hang my hat on Avenged Sevenfold. They've got a lot of great riffs, a lot of great songs, but at the same time, you know, I don't get that jazzed about them. But I don't hate them. And I don't hate them a lot, uh, as much as a lot of people do. But for me, uh, you know, it's good to see, you know, Brooks Wackerman is a guy that went from, you know, he started at Bad for Good with Danny Cooksey and Steve Vai being the producer, uh, you know, that which is a very heavily, I think, a melodic rock, maybe a glam thing, you know, to... And then thrown into the world of infectious grooves and suicidal tendencies, which led to bad religion. Uh, and, you know, and now he's totally switching gears again to something like Avenged Sevenfold. And I think a lot of people would be scratching their heads, but to me it makes total sense. 
And uh, if you, if anyone listened to the official announcement on uh, Talk is Jericho, which is Chris Jericho's podcast, he even mentioned he wanted to get back to something more intricate, a little bit more rock metal. And, um, you know, my, my instincts were right. And, you know, there's people that are like, well, he was in bad religion. What, how can he do all those fills and how can he do everything in, uh, you know, Avenged Sevenfold? Believe me, this guy can fucking do it. This guy's an amazing drummer. Uh, he could just go out and do clinics. Uh, just cause he did bad religion, which is just a straight up punk thing. Don't think he can't play. Uh, his brother, uh, <clears throat> was Frank Zappa's drummer. So, I mean, it's in this guy's blood, and I think that, uh, you know, he's just, um, you know, wanting to do some different stuff, and, uh, you know, he's going to have a big audience to play to, so it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Yeah, it's cool to see, yeah, see a guy like that that's been doing it for, you know, 25 years almost. I mean, yeah. when Bad for Good started, I think he was, what, like 15 or yeah, something? Yeah, 15 or 16, something like that. You know, and that was, what, like 93? Yeah. 92, 93? Yep. And, and, so, and Bad for Good, you know, was a band that I loved, we loved. I think the record that they put out was great. The lyrics were a little corny. Right. But, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, and I'm pretty sure the whole thing was probably written by Steve Vai, which is probably why I liked it so much. But at the time, I thought it was a great record. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, he went from that, and that's coming up on 25 years ago now. And, you know, he's been in the music business. I mean, he's had success, you know, playing with with bands that we know, but they weren't huge mainstream bands, you know. Yeah. Bad Religion and the Mike Muir stuff has never had a huge mainstream success. Yeah. And now he's in a band that is huge globally, you know, playing sold-out arenas, basically. Yeah. Well, you know, festivals. bad religion can go play anywhere in the world. Well, that's true. But, you I mean, know. it's clubs. And, I mean, yeah, that's successful. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying it's cool to see a guy go from that kind of middle ground to a band that's, you know, pretty high up there. Yeah. And, you know, this far into his career. So. You know. Well, instead of headlining uh, Kane's Ballroom, he's going to be headlining, uh, you know, festivals now. Yeah. Speaking of Kane's Ballroom, the last time <laughs> I saw this band that we're about to talk about... Was at Kane's Ballroom, I think it was like nine nine or ten years ago. Really? Or no, maybe even more than that. 2004, maybe? Okay. I think they were on the Redefined Tour, and they were opening for Shinedown. I guess that was it. Have, have you seen them before? I don't know if I've seen them before. Did you go to that OzFest they played? I don't know. Or, I might have. You know, back then, everything gets so, uh, all everything gets so kinda, sketchy. Right. Those people back there are going off to do something messed up. <laughs> We're in the parking lot drinking beers of the soil show, and there's some metal people going back into the woods, probably to release bodily fluids or put stuff in their body. Right. But anyways. That girl's keeping watch on Yes, something. and the girl's watching. But anyways, uh, we are here for soil. We just oh, did an yeah, interview with them. He was peeing. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Inside Anyways, info from the, yes, the back parking you are lot getting of Venue 3405. You are getting the narrative. This is <laughs> this is podcast magic, Trent. Right. <laughs> Sorry, now that I lost my train of thought. <laughs> We're at, again, Soil. This, this band came onto my radar whenever they hit the mainstream with Halo. And I got scars, and it's a phenomenal, just 
straight up hard rock, heavy, heavy metal. You know, they came out at towards the end of the whole new metal phase. But yeah. to me, they kind of set up themselves above it. Yeah, kind of well, like they a, are. They like are a, above it. Like a Seven Dust did, you know, where it's mm-hmm. like, it's got elements of that, but it's also got that groove metal feel to it. And the, you know, the just like Seven Dust, it's got vocals that set itself apart from other bands. I agree. And, of course, writing that set itself apart. Yeah. You know, all their songs are extremely well written. They've had, you know, four or three major label. I, I don't know if Hole is considered major label. I don't know what label that was on. But, like, you know, three albums that are on everybody's radar from with, with Ryan and then mm-hmm. Throttle Junkies early on. But these guys... Like we mentioned earlier, all killer, no filler. There's no, there's nothing there that shouldn't be there. Like every song oh, is, is well crafted. Every song is well written. Yeah. They get stuck in your head, you know, like every song you listen to, you know, it's just, it's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I, and I like that we've said all killer, no filler a lot. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a hashtag yeah. or We're a t-shirt never. or something. Yeah, there you go. Never, never. But I, you know, I agree. And, and I, I, I too, I don't like that, you know, they did come around in that era, but you know, I think it's shitty that people <laughs> lump them lump them in with new metal. I think that's bullshit and uh they're just they transcend that a little bit, you know. Let's just uh get down to it. You know, there's melody, there's catchiness, uh th- there's just talent. Well, let's take a song like Need to Feel, which is I mean, it's just it's it's so wide open and it's so just airy. Um, that to me is, you know, what I think I would like. That's like a, a, and that was, that's an older song, but it's like the future of like heavy music. It's where it should go or where bands that came out of that era should have went. Uh, and I think that's just such a, it's such a landmark song that no one really ever you know, that didn't really get its just due, um, you know, and I think if you, you know, you look at Hole, uh, their latest album, Hate Song, that's amazing, that, that's, and that's one everyone can relate to, and everyone can sing to somebody, <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, it's just, you know, why isn't that on the airwaves, it's just, uh, it's a travesty, really. Right, you know, I always love the fact that his, I wanted to mention or bring this up and kind of ask him about it, but I forgot to, about his, you know, his vocal style um, and how he how he fits lyrics into stuff because, you know, he's got that real kind of, like a lot of the verses will be real punchy, mm-hmm. you know, and quick. Yeah. And then and then the chorus will be just like, you know, like I said, wide open and, and anthemic. You know? Yeah. And... Not every song's like that, but that's kind of a trademark thing, you know. When you think of soul, you think of that kind of, you know, pounding kind of hit vocal mm-hmm. style, you know, with the, you know, with the guitars and the beat, you know. But the, and then it goes into a chorus that's going to get stuck in your head. Yeah. But you know, that's kind of the you know the things that set them apart for me. And you know, other than that, it's cool to be able to finally get to see him again and to be able to talk to him and you know. Oh yeah, Great and dudes, you know? yeah, they were really nice guys. Um, you know, uh, they they were really uh, like I say in a lot of you know in a lot of these they were telling that uh, they they gave us you know some they gave us some good stories and some good info. Um, 
You know, you had to be defiant from the start. And, you know, oh, John Karabi Motley Crew album is my favorite. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Put us in a bad light right from the get go. Thanks, Trent. Right. Well, if you, so you don't know Tim King's favorite band is Motley Crew. So I figured, you know, I'd wear the John Karabi shirt yeah. to see if I could elicit, you know, a good reaction or a bad reaction. Cause, and, you, know, you know, that polari- that album polarizes some people, but yes. usually if you're a Motley Crew fan, you like it. Yep. But not everybody agrees with me and says it's the greatest thing yeah. since the dawn of time. Well, and, you know, Trent had to go be a dick right off the bat. I wasn't a dick about it. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to make the cut. You know, we'll find out. We'll see. And, you know, but. We'll see. Well, if it doesn't, you got the inside scoop right here. Yeah, but go. we're going to get into this interview, and uh, we hope you guys like it. Yeah. Yeah, let's get into this right now. Kind of, you know, we're sitting here right now. We got, you know, 2016 is the like the 15th anniversary of Scars, and we want to do something for it. And we want to, we're not, not sure why yet. So while we're still game planning and, and throwing around some song ideas and stuff, we're, we're just, you, know, you gotta, we got those little demons in us that need to go out and have a little fun, have a little bit of showtime and stuff. So, so that's what these weekends are for for us. Uh, you know, not only get out there and, and, and see the people that give us a job to do, but also remind us that we can have fun around each other too. So, <laughs> so are you uh, are you working on a new album, or is are you focusing on the 15th anniversary type thing, or kind of doing a little of everything? We're just yeah. kind of seeing where the where songs get us and hey, get a muffler interview over here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we're just. I mean, we're, we've been throwing around some ideas, and then you know. The 15th anniversary of Scars is, like Ryan said, coming up. And, you know, we're just kind of taking our time with it. You know, we, we, we went pretty nonstop for two years on the last record hole. And it's still new to some people in some people's heads, even though it is two years old. So we'll take our time. And nowadays, it's so weird with music. You know, you don't have to force an album down the pipeline like you used to. So, right. you know, maybe we'll do a couple of songs or a cover of something or maybe tie in some songs with a video. We've been throwing all kinds of ideas around. You know, even redoing some old songs and stuff like that, too. The so. industry's so different. you you got to kind of think about what's going to work today. So that's a big part of it, too. What it is, basically, is we, we all have a lot of ideas, and we'll kick around these ideas, and we'll throw them at each other until about the moment that somebody gets sick of it and books <laughs> some studio time, and then it'll be like, assholes, studio, two days from now. And then we'll do an album. So. Yeah, we'll have it all done in two days. That's kind of the way we always work. If we're not under pressure, there's really... Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you, you, Even if we have to, two months, we'll wait. Yeah. Well, oh, a, lot, yeah. a lot of people work best under pressure, you know. Yeah, my, my ex-wife said I never did, but... According <laughs> to her, I never really worked well ever year, but... Hey! Well, how do you guys... Uh, I know you write all the lyrics, right? Yeah. Do you... Like, how do you guys handle the writing? Do you write together or write separate? Kind of like you said, the ideas. <laughs> kind of a combination. I think, Bring them together. And I think this is, I think the, the neatest thing about the band being back together, you know, a lot of people say, well, it isn't all of the original pieces. But as far as soil goes as songs and the songs of soil, it's not to be a jerk. 
um, you know, but it's the important pieces. It's, um, you know, every song, every single song, whether it was Tim's riffs and, or whether it was a riff that one of the other guys would come up with, all the songs pass through Adam at some point. So as long as Adam's there musically, you got a big chunk of it. And then the other person that was really responsible for more than just a riff here and there, and that would be like a song, you know, actually coming up with a song and presenting it to the band was Tim. So we have the really the 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 life of, of soil musically is right here between Tim and Adam. And then I always did the, the lyrics were always mine. And if I ever did have a stumbling point, I could always turn to these guys and go, "I got nothing." <laughs> and, and even if it was just one of them kind of humming a tune to me, you know, like what I'm hearing is sleep with your mom and I'd be like I got it yeah. and I would go sing something that didn't have anything to do with my mom and it would be really good yeah. so, it's cool. so we have the, we have the important part so yeah. I'm not sure if I strayed away from the question at all no, but. it kind of goes into what you know when, when you guys had, you know lost your uh, the guitar player you didn't get a new one and I right. guess that's why and, you know well I mean it was a lot more than that I mean yeah. it was you know, we had the original, we always wanted to be a four-piece to begin with. Okay. It just kind of happened that we became a five-piece. Yeah. And, you know, when when all that went to crap and he left or however yeah. you spin it, it was like, man, we can be a four-piece again and we don't need this count, yeah. we, this piece. And, you know, there's more room on stage. There's one less opinion, one less flight, one less person to pay out. And it worked just fine yeah. without them, so... That's why we kept it that yeah, way. Exactly. Well, you, and we wanted to be more like your classic rock bands. When you think of bands, classic rock bands, a lot of them is a four-piece plug-and-play bands. You know, like um, like Aerosmith and ACDC. Those are five-piece <laughs> I don't know. I wouldn't get a <laughs> like, I, was, I was actually sitting there going, what five-piece bands can I throw out there? See like, if anybody's like, paying attention to a damn thing coming out of my mouth right now. Like The Who and... Zeppelin. Yeah. And uh, Zeppelin and Rolling Zeppelin. Stone. And Motley Crue band. Motley Crue. Yeah. I heard Eddie Murphy played with them at one point, though. Motley Crue? I don't know. No. Uh, <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> yeah, it would be. When you guys were going in to record Hole, how did you end up uh, working with Will Hunt? I, I, I had been friends with Will forever. And uh, we, we kind of had a... Re- we kind of... When Ryan came back, we kind of decided that we weren't going to have like a full-time drummer that was in the band that we would that we would make a full fledged I number. hate him because <laughs> we just figured you know the three of us back together why do we need to cut in anyone else especially a drummer so we we just went through some friends you guys and play stuff. drums no yeah, so you're good, <laughs> those guys. You're good. <laughs> and uh will is just one of the most phenomenal rock drummers out there and he had been like you know who's all playing on this new record you know i know it's you adam and and ryan and i'm like Oh well, we we you know haven't quite figured out who's going to play drums. Like, I'm in. I want to do it. And then he just came in and in two days just laid down all the tracks. And I mean, he's his own words. Where I'll come and I'll add some turbo to the tank. And boy, did he ever! He 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 actually got those things down and he he laid that foundation that just made the whole rest of the process like all of a sudden the bass was done the the guitars were done ryan was sailing through vocals i mean we just it just came together so fast because that beautiful foundation was laid you know previous albums we would just sit in there for weeks upon weeks waiting for the drums to get done and and you just be like oh god you lose your momentum you're just like is this record fucking finished you know you're already burnt on the record before it's even time for you to play and 
we didn't have it that time around. So you only listen to drums so much. Period. <laughs> and I, I, I was done listening to drums about a week into Scars in 2001. There's still two more weeks to go. In 2001, and I've been over it ever since. But, uh, and they're such drama queens. You know, the drama queens, and the funny thing about them is chances are they don't know what they're being dramatic about. Because they're not the sharpest pencils in the box. I mean, they're just... I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh, you did it again. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about the... Uh, redefine, rediscover EP. Like, how did the Minister remix come about? Did you guys approach? Well, with that, him, Sony that? Sony Music just started putting. I, I guess it was a cry to sop up any kind of income they possibly can. Oh, okay. Well, those things because it's just like all of a sudden there's like an influx of all this stuff that got shot around. I mean, I remember that Ministry thing was we were on tour playing Rock and Ring, Rock and Park in Germany, and Al Jorgensen said, I'd love to... Well, I think he drugged me and our old guitar player and put something in the wine. And Because I came off the bus and I was throwing up all over the place and Chad from Mudvayne had to carry me into the bus. But uh, we had talked about him remixing something. He remixed it. We turned it into the label. And the label said, well, we're not too thrilled with it. And they threw it in the vault. Yeah. It's kind of like when the Scars uh, Expanded Edition came out yeah. and song Damage You was sitting in the vault. And got thrown on there, so. That's crazy. And then those those acoustic sessions were were recorded at Dimebag's house. Really. And Vinnie Paul produced them, yeah. Wow. And those were done again, turned into the label, and went into the vault. And we were originally going to put out a deluxe the edition of Redefine. Trash can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then later on, you're like, whoa, where, where, when did this even come out? Yeah. Yeah, you because know, I'm sure they didn't tell you guys. No. Yeah. Exactly. I was yeah. getting text messages and it's up on Spotify and all that. This kicks and ass. What kicks ass? This is, is a re- this is a re-release of Redefine with those songs on it. <laughs> no, it's just like it's 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 just like all these songs that never came out. Oh, it was like and the funny thing about tracks. it is, I mentioned when they did the expanded edition of Scars, I said there's all they're like we have to go and we're gonna pull the Scars record and they call it out of the vault. Yeah. And there are all these tapes and he's like, there's this song "Damaged You" here and there's this Japanese track the center and blah blah blah. And and I'm like, there's got to be more in there. And, and he was pulling, I'm like, well, why don't we do a deluxe edition or redefine? Or why don't you do this? And I was talking to the Sony rep. And then he got fired. And then down the line, it's just like <laughs> stuff came out with it. There's like a redefine EP out with the four of us on there from an old photo shoot that we scrapped. Not the first guy that Tim's gotten fired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was. Tell it, your boss he's an asshole. He got fired. Like, I mean, it's just like there's all kinds of like stuff just floating on I mean Sony Music owns all that so we have no control over it okay that's insane that's well you mentioned Spotify and your top five songs on Spotify have almost 16 million clicks so what are your thoughts on you want to hear it give, I, I'll, I'll give I, you the I, story I, well, on I, we probably made about five bucks off that you're pretty much right ah uh, because I work at a record label and in a in a quarter on Spotify we had uh four Four hundred and fifty-five thousand uh, streams of like our catalog combined over just like a little quarter or whatever, and the check that came in was for twelve hundred dollars. So, 
do the math. The, uh, <laughs> the, the, it's the, pathetic, and the, that's what's killing the music right uh, now. The Free Soil picture was freaking hilarious. Which one? The Free Soil. Oh, right? man. oh, oh. I, think Tim found that, yeah. I, I laughed out loud. And, I mean, it's fucking true. It's very frustrating because, I mean, yeah. it's, a, it's a dual-edged sword. I mean, the, the, the Internet has given us so many avenues, social media-wise, to keep in contact and to get in contact with the people that give us a job to do. You know, the people that come to the shows and, 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 and support the music and everything. So it's like great for that. It's become even greater for that. It's becoming every day it's a little bit greater for that. But it's the same guy. But but it's also it's also kicked the life out of the industry. I mean, you know, we're, we've been lucky enough to have great, focused, supportive fans They've kept us around in our old age here, but what that's allowed us to do is we can look back and look at what the industry was like, you know, years ago when we got started, and it's different than it was five years ago, let alone 15, 20 years yeah. ago, yeah. and and like it or not, that has to do with the fact that you, it, 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 there's no, it's not a coincidence that there used to be stores that sold nothing but music, and then all of a sudden, Target and... and Walmart's and Best Buys took over being the the CD sellers, and and those 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 karmas and music lands went away. They were way of the dinosaur, and then all of a sudden now those stores, their music sections are like yeah. five CDs, yeah. and now it's there's there's nothing. It, it's it's everybody buys streaming music, and and you have to be a music fan and really look for a CD nowadays. It seems like, and uh, that's not that's. That's not just coincidence. That's if if you if you make a widget for a living, nobody's buying that widget. No reason to make that widget anymore. You know the people that are employing you to make that widget, they're looking for something else to, be, to manufacture now because that widget's not selling anymore. And so making CDs nowadays isn't necessarily the the, the, uh, the may, maybe not. The, yes, we we're talking about earlier trying to figure out the best way for the next soil, what direction to go in. We need to think about that. What is the best way? Because making that widget. Not necessarily the greatest, you know, the, the smartest way to go these days. So what? What's the best way for us to come up with a way to get that w- widget in people's hands, yeah. and it not be the traditional widget? <laughs> you know? yeah, and, it, and the CD is almost a merch item now, is what it is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I get the digital streaming thing. I mean, yeah. You look at it. I do. The, I, back in the day, you you had a Case Logic or a CD holder filled with CDs. You had to carry that around. It's yeah. bulky. You know. On an environment type thing, it's making plastic, cutting down trees, the whole thing. Then all of a sudden you came out with the MP3, but you had to buy it and download it on your device, whether it be an iPod or an iPhone, and that took up all the storage. All of a sudden you have to buy more storage. The streaming, you pay a subscription, you have it right there, it doesn't take up any storage, doesn't take up any space, it's in thin air, and you have a a music library of maybe a million or hundreds of thousands of songs. So I, I get the appeal. I... I even like the appeal to it. The problem is, is the artists aren't getting paid on it. The record labels aren't getting paid on it. The only people that are getting paid on it is Spotify and like the majors because they were yeah, in bed with Spotify. Exactly. So it kind of leaves it to where we get it. But if you continue to want people to make music and quality music, how much longer can you continue to make to do a widget? It? Yeah, you have to either get a day job to, to make music, yeah, or you have to be able to tour and, and sell merch and make revenue in order to get that music to people. And it's, it's tough. Yeah, yeah, it's tough. Joe didn't quit your favorite band of the of the last three months because he wanted to go home and sell shoes again. Joe quit the had to quit the band because there was no money in doing the band thing anymore. 
and that's just we're lucky enough that we we made a name for ourselves at a point in time to where we still have a strong fan base from then we, we still gain in more people over the years but they still support us unbelievably and, and it's amazing so we're lucky enough to come from an era where people love those people still want to see these but there's a lot I'm, I'm getting off subject but there are a lot of people that they get frustrated and I've, I've heard them gripe that oh have you heard this new band you heard them on Octane or whatever and then all of a sudden three weeks later it's like there's a whole new lineup on Octane and it's because it's just there's there's no staying power there's no money in it anymore these bands come out here on the road and they're just they're 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 paying to be out here and you can only do that so long I mean eventually eventually your kids are sick of doing homework in the dark you know and, and you gotta you gotta go sell those shoes <laughs> it's and the powers that be they don't they don't understand they just they just keep taking the money yeah and they don't care they don't get it that you know this might not be here in 10 15 20 years and like ryan made an awesome point it's like all of our favorite bands like we were talking about like your john karabi shirt that you have on you know like motley Crue and aerosmith and all and they've been around for 30 20 30 40 plus years and bands of today it's like these kids go out and like they'll get a tattoo of their favorite band and then the band will be broken up in two years or something like that and it's just like they're so they're disposable heroes now because they can't they can't afford to keep it going or they find a private investor or something and that money runs out and then they're they're done a dj friend of mine actually said her exact words were to me you think it's bad it's tough on this end she goes we get that list of bands to push and she goes and every three months that basically changes because it's a whole other list of in those three and some of those bands from that list i got three months ago aren't, aren't around anymore so it's like so it's we we all see it we all feel it don't get me started on that. They'll have one band that, and they'll play the one song from 20 years ago. <laughs> even though, I mean, there's you know, new stuff. case in point, and there's new stuff, they won't even touch it. Right. You know? But but they'll they'll want to pimp you when you come into town. Yeah. yeah. That's just frustrating as hell. I don't, you know, I don't get it. I get it. Was there <laughs> any uh, weird, I mean, not weird, but was the transition back into the band normal i mean i assume i guess i never i never i never parted ways with a band and and re re formed together uh, (laughs) before so as far as i know it was very normal because it's the only thing that i know (laughs) it's a there was no weirdness about it we we talked about it and basically just threw a date out there that we started well we started tossing some music ideas back and forth well no it was, it was, the, it was yeah. The it was actually tour. it was the UK tour. So so getting back together wasn't even part of it. It was I'm in Drowning Pool. These guys are doing the soil thing. Would you like to get back together to do this this one run, this the tenth anniversary of Scars? And sure, sounded like a blast. So we did, and we we just ended up having too much fun with it. So once we, once we got back to the states, I ended up parting ways with Drowning Pool, and and there was still some time. And that didn't have anything to do with us having fun. That was just, I have a seven-year itch, so every seven years, I got, asked my wife, she loved it. It was amazing. Seven years, it was done. So we got three but, uh, more years to figure right. out what we were so, so, I'll be dead before the end of this one. Um, but, uh, it, it, so I quit Drowning Pool, and the more we started talking, though, me, Tim, and Adam, the more we started realizing we were really on the same page with what we wanted to do musically. And we realized that if, we were all at a point in our careers if we wanted to do something musically if we were going to do it we wanted it to be in our hands and our control and with Tim's knowledge of the industry being within it 
Um, none of us being necessarily stupid because we've all been able to survive in it for so long. But we were able to, in large parts because of Tim's inside knowledge, we were able to put together exactly what we wanted to do. So, but again, yeah, the original thing was just, hey, let's go do some shows. Yeah. So, yeah, it wasn't weird at all. It was fun. It was it was cool to do those shows and look out and see people singing songs from from uh, 15 years ago, you know. It was, it was yeah. cool. It was really when we started just popping off the songs, I mean, for me and Adam, at least, because we're the only two people that kind of lasted from the beginning to, <laughs> to now, you know. And it just felt so real again. I mean, me and him were just like, you know, what do we do with this brand? You know, we've beaten it up a little bit. And then having Ryan come back, it's just like, wow, this... This is soil again. Yeah, I mean, we couldn't wipe the smiles off of our face on stage. It was, it was great, and it's just, that's kind of so kind of the way we all to felt. wear them off. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the status on the into the fire? That was just, honestly that's been a project that's been years in the making, and it was when soil was at a, a low point. Me and Adam called up a couple of friends and said. We're not really having any fun right now. You want to have some fun and write some songs? <laughs> and we wrote these songs like in like 2010. And uh, wow. we'd just been sitting on them because, you know, Ryan came back to Soil and the other guys had other things. Like Craig from ELS, he gave up on music altogether. And then Brian Scott had his own studio and stuff. And then finally we just kind of dug them back out and finished them and They've, they're, they're finished now and done, and we're still sitting on them. So we're just going to release them for fun at some point. It's just it's just a fun little music scratch and a bunch of friends doing it from known bands. So, you know, I don't think we plan on doing any shows or anything with it. I think we're just going to maybe maybe put a video and a couple songs out and just, just something for fun, you know, a bunch of guys. But it, now it kind of seems like everybody's doing that. And it's like everybody's got a super group, and everybody's from this band and that band. So I don't, you know, I'm too lazy. I don't know. I don't know the, I don't know the the fun factor or the cool factor of it anymore. Which we probably should have got on it five years ago when we were originally going to do it. Yeah. It's done. It's we'll probably slap out at some point just for fun. You know, that's that. We did come up with a cool logo for it. But that's all. Yeah. That. Have you seen any of the uh, final Molly Crew shows? Oh yeah. I uh, I've seen three of them. Right. And I toured with them, did a video. So you're, yeah. I'm good. <laughs> Released a song, singing with them. I'm yeah. all right. That's, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, were you part of the vocals on Saints or Uh, Saints of Los Angeles. White, White Trash. Oh, White Trash. Okay. And Jesus, I forgot all about that. Yeah. And he was at the press conference. Okay. And on the crew lunch fest. every day. And <laughs> in the studio with it. My favorite band in history. <laughs> My yeah. favorite musician in history. The usual. Hanging out every night with Tommy, eating lunch with Nikki yeah. on, a, on a daily. You know, those little things. Naturally, my dreams you just, were. You, it just happened, you know? It sounds like this isn't the first time he's rubbed that in. Oh, he rubs it in every chance he gets. <laughs> I, I, was, I, was, I, I was internally smiling as soon as you brought it up. I was like, okay, okay. Uh, yeah. He said, well, watch this. <laughs> right on. You got anything well, else? Yeah, I know... Uh, most people don't look this far in the future, but it's only like a year and a half away now, your 20th anniversary. Are there any thoughts of plans for that or just what? 20th anniversary as a band? Oh, yeah, it yeah. is. This, uh, if I get to get, if I get the whole group back. <laughs> yeah, that, I don't even say that. <laughs> oh, man. 
it, yeah, two thousand January two thousand seventeen would be twenty years. Right. So maybe after we do the fifteenth anniversary of Scars, we'll do the twentieth anniversary. So we got a lot to milk. Twentieth right? <laughs> anniversary of all the stuff that we did before Scars that no one even knows exists. Yeah, yeah we got a, we got a lot of things to milk. We'll be around for a while. I hope. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Fuck, I gotta live for a little bit longer. <laughs> yeah, only a year and a half. Oh, cool. <laughs> Well, well, thanks for doing this, guys. No problem. Oh, awesome. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Thanks nice for you. Thank you, guys. Yeah. All right, there you go. Our interview with Tim and Ryan from Soil. That's another another good one, I think, and I'm I'm glad we got the chance to do it. So thanks to both of them for being kind enough to take the time before their show to talk to us, and thanks to Jake, their tour manager, for for helping us out. Uh, definitely, yeah. They were uh, <clears throat> they were great. Uh, their tour manager was great. Uh, once again, uh, a positive, uh, you know, fun experience. So we're glad to bring that to you guys. Yeah, check them out online at soulmusic.com. You can also find them on Facebook, just S-O-I-L. And also, while you're doing that, do yourself a favor and follow uh, Ryan McCombs on Facebook as well. Like him, follow him, because the guy's got, uh, what's the word, literary gold yeah. on every post that he makes. Dude is funny. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's he'll go on some little rants. Even on the soil page, I think he posts a lot. But on his personal page, you know, it's it's some good stuff. It's open and, season. Yeah, follow him on Twitter at Ryan McCombs. I do not believe I don't think the band has a Twitter, at least from what I know. I could be totally wrong on that, but anyway, you know you can find him on Facebook and soilmusic.com, and then find us on Facebook at The Thunder Underground. And also find our website, thethunderunderground.com. YouTube and Instagram is also at The Thunder Underground. SoundCloud is Thunder Dash Underground. And I believe that's everything. Did you cover our Twitter? No, Twitter. Twitter, we can't fit all the whole word. You know, there's only a certain amount of space. So it's T-H-N-D-R-U-N-D-R ground. So there you go. And that's right. Jason got a text. Yep, yep. You can, and you'll hear that. Right. Yeah. So, whatever. But uh, thanks for listening, and, uh, you know, like and share. And, of course, check out Omachita and check out Soul. Check us out. Thunderunderground.com. Thanks again. Thanks again.